what really matters. I think we live in a time where people use you know, the wrong metrics. And as we get further, we think we're being more progressive or being less progressive. We're talking about how many followers somebody has or how many YouTube views they have or how much they make or what kind of house they live in. But I think really the, the true feeling of fulfillment is, did I use all that I had? Did I take that juice that I was given with, uh, given to whatever, you know, however you credit that, whether it was your parents or God or whatever you credit that bigger power to be, did I use everything that was given to me? Welcome to the Divine Download, friends, a place where we share stories of how ordinary people manifested extraordinary lives. I'm your host, Life Transformative Coach, Rona Lalazari, and on this podcast, expect to learn from creators of incredibly real magic and also experts on the field in manifestation, law of attraction, and simply get together to learn the tools on how we can all download our greatest divine gifts and live lives that we can't wait to wake up for. Get ready to meet your best self. Shattering every darn glass ceiling they tried to put over our heads, our guest today was named one of the 30 hottest women in politics by the Washington Times. Lisa Daftari shares how her relentless passion and purpose gave her the sense of mission in pursuing a path of journalism and becoming a political commentator. Lisa asks us to reflect not on how successful we are, but whether we use all we have in this lifetime to make a difference. It's a life journey to find what our gifts are, Lisa shares, and oftentimes it's the very talent that we take for granted that is our gift. Lisa talks about how she finds her courage in covering challenging stories abroad and even handling death threats for her views by focusing on the people who thank her for being the voice they can't have. This isn't a career or a job, as Lisa says. It's my calling. A bio on Lisa. Lisa Daftari is an award-winning investigative journalist, political analyst, and commentator, frequently appearing on Fox News, CBS, NBC, PBS, Al Jazeera, Voice America, and Sirius XM, focusing on foreign policy topics such as the Middle East, North Africa, terrorism, national security, human rights, and cybersecurity. Lisa serves as director and founding editor of The Foreign Desk, a news platform covering stories and analysis from around the globe with an emphasis on their impact on U.S. foreign policy. She publishes a popular daily top 10 email briefing with the day's most vital foreign affairs stories, reaching 250,000 monthly subscribers. Her exclusives appear on The Drudge Report, Fox News, The Telegraph, Newsweek, CNN, The Huffington Post, and The Washington Post. She is regularly called upon to give briefings and expert testimony to government and private entities and has worked for several think tanks in Washington, where she has written exclusive reports for the Pentagon and other government groups. She speaks Farsi, Spanish, and English. Lisa has been named one of the 30 hottest women in politics by the Washington Times. She grew up in a suburb of New York City and currently lives in L.A. with her husband and baby boy. Please welcome our very own Lisa Daftari. Lisa, thank you. Thank you for being here. You represent to so many, so many a hope for something greater, an ability to reach our greatest potential. You have shown up over and over again to be the voice, to be the light, 
And I just want to recognize you for that and, and make space for you to bring that to our guest today and share yourself with us in your most vulnerable and real. And I know that's all, you know, <laughs> uh, self. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And um, thank you for those very, very humbling um, words and epithets. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's hard to hear, I guess. Maybe it's just because because uh, you're so humble. <laughs> no, it's just just doing what we were put here to do. And um, I don't know. I, I guess I, I, I thank you, and I, I thank um, your audience and my audience and everyone for giving us, you know, that space to do what we love to do, and okay. uh, for letting us be who we are. Exactly. I want you to tell us, you know, like I said, you have broken that glass ceiling for so many in not just our community as Persian Jews, but beyond, you know, women and young girls who aspire for greatness. And I want to hear from you. And, you know, there's so many roles in our society of what men should do, women, and some of the more traditional definitions professionally, even as a homemaker for, for the women and, and trying to really push beyond the limits. And you represent so much of being able to really pave your own path. Talk to us about how that makes you feel to be able to stop. And I know you don't really stop and look, <laughs> but if it's true, we can't really stop. But if you were to stop now and just look back and say, my goodness, because you have, um, how does it make you feel to sort of be that pioneer? And what was it along the way that gave you the strength that says, you know what, I'm going to push through and, and follow through with my purpose and passion in life? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a, it's a difficult question to answer only because I never think of myself as a pioneer or somebody who set out to um, break any boundaries or define anything. Um, I think from a very, very young age, I was just given the opportunity and space to be myself, maybe. Um, and when you, um, not maybe, with conviction, I say that, I say that, um you know, and it's not my career that defines who I am. It's each individual, meaning if I did not do what I did, if I were not a journalist and a political commentator, I would still be the person that I am. And I would try to, um, you know, wake up every morning with purpose and with conviction and with love for life. And I think that's what's most important. I think a lot of women who approach me and they're like, you know, um, they almost want like a life coach, right? So it's like, how do I get back into work? Or I haven't been working. You're so lucky you have a career. And well, I'm, I'm, yeah, perhaps lucky. The first word that comes to mind is tired and exhausted. <laughs> and um, it's very difficult, obviously, to balance everything. So there are moments where I'm like, you know, maybe, you know, um, it, 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 it doesn't matter what I would have done if I would have just been a stay at home mom. I don't say just a stay at home mom. I think that's the toughest job um, because that is also one of my jobs. I don't have a nanny. I try to do everything myself, which means that I'm up at five in the morning to work for a couple of hours before my son is up. And I work till about 10, 11, sometimes midnight every night because I work after he goes to bed. Um, but it means, I think, dedication. I think uh, that's the secret ingredient more than, you know, knowing that I wanted to become a journalist. Cause I didn't always know that knowing that I wanted to, ask, yeah. yeah, knowing that I wanted to be, you know, be all these things. No, I didn't know that. I think the only thing that I've always shown, whether it was in coloring within the lines or learning the ABCs or arithmetic all the way up to where I am today, it's just been a matter of dedication. And I think that's, what's really um, what, what really matters. I think we live in a time where people use 
you know, the wrong metrics. And as we get further, we think we're being more progressive. We're being less progressive. We're talking about how many followers somebody has or how many YouTube views they have or how much they make or what kind of house they live in. But I think really the the true feeling of fulfillment is, did I use all that I had? Did I take that juice that I was given with, uh, given to whatever, you know, however you credit that, whether it was your parents or God or whatever you credit that bigger power to be, did I use everything that was given to me? Wow. Wow. And I love that you don't identify yourself with what you do, but rather with who you are. And it's an interesting conversation. I had um, Dr. Sheila Nazarian, who I know you worked with and and uh, are friendly with, she mentioned how along her way, there was a physician who um, was like a mentor to her and could no longer practice and took her own life because it was such a big part of her identity. And I remember Sheila said, it was that point where I realized I have to be more than what I do. And what you're saying is so powerful because we get stuck in these labels and this is what I do and I have to do this. And if I don't do this, then I have no value. And I think as women, right, when we were doing, 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 and then we switch the role and now we're, we're being, we're mothers, right? Mm-hmm. And we're still doing, but the doing is in more of a, a figure of what we're providing for someone and giving life to someone. And I love the flexibility that you allow yourself in order to say, it's the light that I have, how I shine it, <clears throat> right, will vary throughout the course of my journey. And it's really clear that because you've allowed yourself that flexibility with the do and where you're going to show up, it's taken you to so many avenues without being so rigid and stuck on a path. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that's the flexibility of, of, that's the secret to life, right? To know that no two days will be alike, no two chapters will be alike and to allow um, oneself to grow into that and to fail and to know that those, you know, rip and repair, you know, you Mm -hmm. need to rip in order to become stronger. It's like going to the gym and building up those muscles. Um, That's, that's what life is. And I, I really think, um, again, going back to those labels, especially in our community, it's, you know, from a certain age, it's emphasized that women have to get married and have children and they should. And that's wonderful. And, you know, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful part of a natural course of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, people sell themselves short and say, well, I stayed home and I have kids. Well, it's the hardest job. It mm-hmm. truly is the hardest job. And lean into those skills and that skill set that um, you developed as a mother and as a homemaker and as somebody who has gone through, you know, it's a myriad of things. It's not this degree that gives me a skill set. It's this life journey that has given us all um, a tremendous, you know, amount of experience and talent. You know, one of my favorite movies, and I don't watch movies much. I just don't have time. And when I do have time, I don't want to sit still for two hours, but um <laughs> One of my favorite movies is Forrest Gump. And I remember watching this as a young child and thinking, everyone has a talent. That's truly my motto. And I felt that as a young child to say, everybody has a gift. And uh, if you can't find your gift, it's it's not because it's not there. It's because you're you're being humble or you're thinking that everybody has this, you know, ability to be even patient or be flexible or be tolerant or be there's so many skills and, and talents that people have and have 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 uh, developed because of their journey and, you know, lean into that more than anything else. And I love that you just said that it's not that you don't have it. It's also, you could be taking it for granted. Like you said, you think everyone has that patience or what's the big deal in being able to write a paragraph, you know, within a minute and someone else grapples for days writing it. Right. So recognizing that your gift, 
might be the thing that really just comes the easiest or the, mm-hmm. the most natural. And right. because it's natural doesn't mean it's not a gift. It means it is a gift, right? right. It is something to be shared. And it was something I grappled with too, when I was putting a platform like this, I'm like, okay, so it's a big deal. I can communicate. I can say something thoughtful. And then I was like, wait, it got to the point where I was like, no, this is, this is a big deal. You know? And I, I love that you're saying that Lisa, because had you not stopped and said, Hey, this is special. I have something here. Then (laughs) the world would not have had your voice and my goodness, how much we need your voice. So I love that. I love that. Take us to where in your life you felt this gift, right? And I call it on the show, the divine download, where at some point we felt that connection to God, to the universal being, to source that said, Lisa, this is for you. And I want you to take it and make the world a better place. Was there a point where you can say it really hit home for you? It's interesting because I think... um my whole life, I knew that I have some sort of gift of connection with people. Um, so it's not just communication, but it's truly to connect, to know how to approach a young person, an old person a prof- in a professional setting, in a young setting. And I knew that people gravitated towards me, even as a young child, because of that. Um, and it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blessing. I don't know. It's something that I, I do believe in God. So I will evoke the name of God in this conversation and say that this is something I was blessed with and I knew that at a young age but I always thought that this was something that would and had and would continue to enhance my life regardless so I was pre-med for a long time I became an EMT and I volunteered in the hospital and I took my pre-med courses and it's fine because you know bedside manner is very important I knew that that gift of communication and human connection would always be there for me regardless again of what I choose as my vocation um And then little by little, I thought, well, I want more of that communication of writing and speaking. So maybe Mm -hmm. law schools, again, we live in a, in a, culture and community where it's like, you know, pick your two paths. If right. you're a good student, really, yeah. Yeah, if school comes easy to you, well, you can become a lawyer, lawyer or a doctor. And so I was, you know, pre-law for a long time. And then I got into all these law schools and it was the summer before I had to choose. And, um, I remember, I remember so clearly sitting on the floor of my bedroom and my mother sat on my bed and I just cried to her. And I said, I don't know why I, and I'm, I was just such a straight arrow, like straight A's, a million AP courses, all of these extracurricular activities, my whole life, you know, good scores on my standardized testing. Now just choose and go who, who wouldn't want this blessing. First time in my life, I looked at my mom and I said, she's just not sitting right with me. I don't Mm. know why. And my mother looked at me and she goes, why don't you, and I get goosebumps, I swear I feel it. You become um, a journalist. Oh, oh. That and I know you and I don't think I ever knew this story. I've oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Wow. She just said all the things that would make you a wonderful lawyer, the speaking, the writing, the communicating would make you an even better journalist. And I looked at her and said, really? Mm. That's not something that I ever thought about. Um, and at that point I had taken, you know, one of my majors was Middle Eastern studies. Um, another major was Spanish literature. So I was really all over the place in terms of humanities and, and, and current events and history. And 
um, I took the plunge. I just went for it. And I, and I did not have, you know, my father's support, for example, which is interesting because later on, um, after I did become a journalist, I mean, he was the first person to wake up at, you know, three in the morning, four in the morning to watch me on the East coast, um, you know, be on Fox news in the morning show. Um, and he has been the most amazing, you know, support, uh, you know, I've had since both my parents, but, um, it's interesting because at first he was like, what are you going to do with a journalism degree? And he was very upset that I did not go to law school. Um, and I, I think that's natural. I think it's, it's Smart. natural. Yeah. It's like the, applic- the admissions are there and he's seeing his daughter turn down what might've been a dream. That must be hard for him. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's interesting how things turned out and, Again, it doesn't matter what I would have chosen. I think that, you know, it's a choice. It's a choice. Mm. I'm going to make another movie reference, which is so weird. Again, I don't watch movies, but here we go. But the ones you watch, you remember. (laughs) Coming to America. Watch Akeem. When Uh you think of garbage, you think of Akeem. He's amazing. Came from royalty, but he swept those floors with heart, with passion, with love. And really, it's hard. And I say this, and it sounds like, you know, I'm not this happy, cheery person every day. I mean, of course, you know, I'm very content with my life and my decisions and all of that. But I try to remind myself whenever I can that this, you know, these are our blessings, you know, people go through dips and valleys and and, and peaks and, and, you know, that there are these things to come back to. Mm, I love that, Lisa. I love that you remember that moment, because, you know, that's a moment that you got strength from your mom. And now you as a mother, I'm sure it has planted a seed in you of really how to bring out your children's truest potential, right? And not to try to push them down some path or make them fit into some hole that isn't really authentic and true to them. So, wow, what a powerful lesson. What a powerful lesson. I love that. Tell me how you have the courage to show up. So you got your mission, you have a sense of, you know, determination and in, in however path you are guided and to, to show up, what makes you move, kind of move through the hurdles? Because it's not easy being in your position. You have so many eyes on you and you're, you know, you're in the public light and you're going to foreign countries. I know you've done projects abroad and in, in, in all, all over war-torn countries and you show up and what gives you that courage as a woman and as a, you know, um, a beautiful one, you know, how do you find a, the strength inside to say, I'm going to be there and I'm going to sometimes even put my life at risk Yeah, us through that. It's tough. It's really tough when the death threats come in and you, um, you know, I now have a family, so it's not easy. Um, you know, you, mm. It's it's not easy. There's no other way to put it. And I think, you know, people look at the glam and the job and all the followers and all the, you know, wow, you're so lucky. Well, there are some, a lot, I should say, of of risks that come with the reward that I have been given. Um, I've been followed. I get death threats. I mean, my entire email and a website and social media have been hacked and I have extreme level of security on all of these platforms, but they just are relentless. Mm. Um, but it's always those other emails that I get, not the threats, but the ones that thank me for being a voice when they mm. not be one. And I think there is this in, you know, just this inherent voice in my head, um, that reminds me that, you know, I do have freedom and I'm very cognizant of that. You know, I was born in America, obviously to Iranian American parents, um, but I'm very much aware of a 
cliche term, the American dream. I mean, my father was actually the American dream because he came to New York at the age of 17 and became a physician and a professor. And um, for me, I think my parents kind of are also my influence. I don't have any excuse but to be courageous and to show up and to do the hard work because of what they gave me. They're the ones who face the, the difficulties and the hardships of coming to a foreign country and studying and, you know, making something of themselves. Um, and when it comes to getting these threats, well, it's those, you know, the, the thank yous that I get, or, you know, thank you for being our voice for freedom, or thank you for setting the narrative straight, or, you know, thank you for covering the story when no one else is. So whether it's the women of Afghanistan who now have to cover their faces in public and cannot go to school, or the people in Iran who are currently out on the streets protesting when no one is covering their story, or the Israeli-Palestinian conflict that, you know, continues to be bastardized in the, in the mainstream media, I feel like, oh my gosh, there's so much to do. And if I have the platform um, and the audience to do these things and to set the narrative straight, then I have to, I don't have any excuse not to, it becomes almost, you know, it's, it's not, and I tried to explain this to my husband when we were dating to say, this is not a career. It's not a job. This is truly my calling. Wow. I have to do it. I would do this for free. I have right. to do it. Um, so I think that's what really drives me. And I, I hope to set a good example for my, you know, my children. And I hope to kind of, you know, be able to live up to this blessing that I have been given. Wow. You know, there's like really a universal theme of people I brought on the show, Lisa, that it, when I ask questions like these, it's more, it, it always gets flipped. It's like, how do I, it's not, how do I have the courage to do this? It's, how would I live with myself if I didn't? Right, and right. it is such a powerful, like I, I literally just got chills all over just saying that because what a way to approach life, right? What a way for all of us to say, you know, we can always have excuses, find excuses to not show up and to not live our best life and not, you know, use the skills that that we know we were given to make this world better. We can all come up with a list of a hundred things that would stop us from doing it. Right. But what about even the list of the short list of five, of five ways you can change this world, five ways you can make people's life be- lives better, five ways right. you can know you made a dent, right? right? And that's the juice. That's what gets us up in the mornings, right? That's mm-hmm. what gets us to sleep comfortably at night is knowing that that short list is what we were living by. Yes, absolutely. I remember when I was dating, that was really literally the words you just used. That's what it reminded me of. I was like, I'm looking for someone who's excited to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Be surprised how hard that is to find when people are just so complacent or just dragging their feet or just life becomes so monotone. Um, and again, it has nothing to do with what one's job is or what their circumstances are, because I know we all have our challenges and, you know, larger and smaller, um, but it truly comes down to how your perspective is on life. And that really, that's when you attract more and more and more. And, you know, I, I look at, you know, just the, the career path again, so that I was blessed with. And I, I look at, you know, people who have done what I do, or, you know, there's oftentimes, you know, a family name or an endowment or, you know, some family connection or some mm. sort of nepotism. And people ask me like, how did you get into Fox or how did this happen? Or how did you do that? And it's truly, and I, I'm not saying this to be humble. I'm saying the truth. It's that I just showed up. I did not have time to look up and say, you know, let me fake it till I make it. Let me, you know, post this or do that. I just kept plowing away. And I, I that's my advice for anyone who wants to do anything in life. 
anything under the sun mm-hmm. you want to do, you can do with hard work. Lisa, it's so true. And I remember this because you and I are, have been close for so long. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that I was on this journey to watch you blossom into all that you are. And so much more I know is coming for you. And I remember there were nights we would go out to dinner and you're like, okay, I got to be up in three hours. <laughs> And you're like, no, I'm going to, you know, I've got to write this and then, you know, I'm going to send my video and then I'm going to be live on Fox. And, and then you were just so, and it wasn't like this. I got it. It was like, I can't wait. I'm like, you're going to get up in three hours. We were like out till like 11 one night. And I remember, and you're like, okay. I remember dropping you off home. You're like, yeah, I can't wait. I'm setting my alarm for like three and two in the morning. I'm like, oh my God, you were very serious. You were focused on the goal. And I, and you're right. It's really when you are that focused and you're that aligned with it. Um, and it comes so authentically from your soul guys, there's really no other choice you give the universe and God other than alignment. That's, that's when you align, when you're so connected to your why, right. And you know Mm -hmm. that you are put here to do it and you're relentless in your work and you do what I call inspired action. You don't just sit on the couch and imagine it in and right. Bring it into your life. You take that action, but with this inspiration where you're like, I know I am here to show up and this is mine. And, um, I, I got to see that and what a, what a joy that was to watch and see it come to fruition. Truly. Thank you. It was awesome. You are just amazing. I want to hear, um, how you kind of handle the opposition. I know we talk about the courage, obviously, kind of on a day-to-day, if you get that threat and you are, you know, faced with the email and does it ever get to the point where you're like, I got to, you know, switch gears. I have to find some other avenue. And if so, what are the other options? Like, where would you see yourself going? If you say, you know what, there's just too much opposition. I'm going to make a shift and come back. Any kind of other avenues that you've tried beyond journalism? Um, not really. Well, I'll tell you, um, the one thing I do try to do is I filter out all the noise, whether it's good or bad. I hardly ever, whether it's because of lack of time or in this case, kind of trying to protect my energy, read comments, whether they're good or bad. Mm. Um, and, you know, under the YouTube videos, there's like hundreds of, com- I don't even get into it. You don't because- go there. You just can't. I mean, I'm, I'm truly, and I, and I just getting to know yourself and you know, what, one of the things that makes me good at what I do is my sensitivity and my empathic nature. Mm-hmm. One of the things that could be a setback is my sensitivity and empathic nature. And it's and usually like that. that. Yeah. It's usually like that. It's the two, two sides of the same coin. And because I know that about myself, it's, it's, it's interesting because most people in my position who do, you know, very serious journalism or, or political commentating, they have very thick skin and people always say, oh, you must have such thick skin, or you must be such a tough, like little cookie. Everyone always says these things. And I'm always like, actually, what brought me to this is my sensitivity. Mm. Um, and I think that it, just knowing yourself that you know that that's what you carry in your work and thinking about a different path. Well, I think, um, it's interesting because wherever I go, this will come with me. So if I decide to become a, a consultant or a politician or, you know, run for local or, or, or larger uh, office, it will come with me. So I think that regardless of what I do and, you know, that this this resume or this experience or this history of, of work mm. will come with me. And um, for that reason, I just don't see, you know, it, 
you know, will I become a fashion designer tomorrow? I don't really think so. I mean, with your outfit right now, I can see I, that. I do love I fashion. Mean. It's no secret. It's no secret. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, this is this is the work that I find fulfilling. And I think that um, it would be in this vein. That's, I guess, my short answer. Absolutely. It would be this vein. Have you played with politics? I know you're active in politics. And I know that, you know, it's something that Maybe walk us through that. At what point your work became more than just journalism in the sense that, you know, at some point it it became clear, at least for us on the sidelines, watching you and your evolution, that you used your platform, right, for a greater mission and nice. to stop especially anti-Semitism, such a cause that yes. is, I know, dear to both of our hearts. Did you have to sort of stop and say, all right, if I do this and if I use my platform here, this might change how I'm perceived as a journalist and walk me through that kind of brink, you know, so, you had to make that decision at that point. I don't know if you even know this story, but I, 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 you might, you might know this story, but it's interesting. I, um, I graduated from journalism school and I was right. I was working at NBC in the investigative um, journalism unit in Burbank um, after a few different internships while I was in school and then kind of found it to be not fulfilling. Um, but I was writing some op-eds on the side and then, you know, um, just here and there op-eds. And then the 2009 Green Revolution happened in Iran. I was writing more op-eds. And then I um, had to I had a, sh- a chat with Dennis Prager. Um, and I know he's sure, a mentor this. of yours and you've yeah. worked with him, um, among other people, but this is uh, on my mind. And I told him where I'm at. And I, I think he had come across one of my op-eds and had me on his radio show. And we talked right after the radio show. And he said, you have to do something. You have to move from the journalism space into the opinion space. Oh, wow. I don't think you share this with me. No, I don't know. It was such a, it's, it's a, it was a fleeting moment. And I'll tell you why it's become more important more recently is because I never thought about it because I just kind of transitioned. Mm. I still consider myself a journalist. That's where I get my information. That's where I'm you know able to have sources on the ground where I can report on something, mm-hmm. but then I can also analyze what happened and put it into context and give my opinion on it. And it's not, it, it, I don't really call it opinion because I think everybody has an opinion, but it's really to contextualize what's going on. What's missing in this country in a lot of ways in our mainstream media, particularly when it comes to Israel, particularly when it comes to Iran, the Middle East, what's happening in Syria and Iraq and Yemen and all these places is con- contextualization. Mm-hmm. Somebody who not only can report on what's going on, but someone who can put it, who speaks languages and can really you know, frame what's going on for the average American news consumer. Mm-hmm. And Dennis Brager said to me, we don't have really somebody who's doing this and your opinions matter. What I'm reading here in this op-ed is much more important than the person who's working at NBC and able to report on this story. Wow. Lisa, mic drop. Wow. I, um, and I, it's funny because I had not really thought about this story for a long time, but I guess it was, he fueled me. I'm like, this is a guy I adore. I admire. Um, and he's telling me that I need to do this. So I'm going to do it. And if he, if I have his vote of confidence, then, then that's really all I need at this moment. So, you know, I, I, I didn't leave NBC right away. I kind of started doing some work for some think tanks and did more research and read again, you, when you have a dream, and I think this is the biggest problem with our, our youngest generation right now, because I do have interns and I see this so often in our interns and young people is that they're just focused on the dream and we have this instant gratification problem. Mm -hmm. So people just want to get there and they don't, you know, they don't, 
A, enjoy the journey, but B, they don't fortify that foundation. And I think that's what's most important. I didn't particularly know because I feel like I kind of carved out this niche of being a, a Middle Eastern, you know, analyst, specialist, foreign policy commentator kind of thing. It wasn't like there were seven p- different people that I could say, that's my goal. That's the kind of job I want to have. Um, definitely carved it out, kind of morphing this, you know, commentating side and journalism side. But that mm. being said, every step of the way, you know, I tried to really make sure that my foundation was solid, that if I show up, you know, and I had a, a, a producer tell me this one time, he goes, yes, you're blessed with opportunities, but you're the one who has to show up prepared. And if you get that opportunity, you can't fumble it. You got to show up prepared. So, you know, you got to read, research, you know, be the best that you are in every stage of your life to prepare you for that ultimate dream. It's not just about getting to that ultimate dream or that title or whatever it may be. So that's how I kind of morphed into this, um, you know, commentating space. And very soon after that, I started appearing on Fox. They called me because of my op-eds. And a lot of these other um, TV appearances, MSNBC was calling a lot, CNN was calling a lot. And um, finally, Fox, I took the job with Fox, ultimately, uh, and became a Fox News contributor. Yeah. Wow. And that was probably your most victorious, I would say, moment in the sense that it was like, all right, I'm on this path. I'm really here. Yeah, it kind of, you know, I guess we're, we're all human, right? So I can now talk about why it's, labels not are, are not important. But at that point... What I was, what was very amorphous, just there's really no title or label for what I do. I had such a hard time describing to people what I do. I'm a journalist. I also, um, I'm, I, I provide, you know, comment. I, I'm a commentator. I, it was very, so the, the, the title at Fox News kind of put me on the map as, okay, this is what you are. And it's, you've been recognized and, and, and people have noticed what you do. And it's a valuable, it's a valuable skill set and it's a valuable set of knowledge that most people don't have. And that's why you're here. So it gave me that nod. It did give, it did confirm for me that all this work that you've been doing, all of what you maybe weren't able to define for yourself has now been defined. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I love that Dennis gave you sort of that bridge from journalism to, I don't want to use the word advocacy because that is sort of out of that realm of journalism, but opinion and being able to have a a natural voice, right? Right. Rather than reporting on a situation factually without a context, having that context and the context is you. It's really the way you're able to bring the whole picture together through your eyes. And that's just uh, really what sets you apart. And I am so happy he was a part of that. Yes. He's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. Tell me what happens when you get nervous. Do you ever get nervous? And if so, do you ever get imposter syndrome? Something I would love to know. It's so funny. What do you I do hate that it? term. I just hate that term. I know people get it. And I think yes. that it's a real thing. I, I, yes. I do. Um, but I don't know. Luckily, I have never experienced imposter syndrome. I'll tell you why. It's because not, not only do I think what everyone is doing is unique because no two people are alike. It's not cliche. I truly think no two people are alike Absolutely. regardless. Agree. Yeah. But I, I just think, you know, everyone does it differently. So if you mm. do get inspired by someone and then you're feeling imposter syndrome, stop going through social media. I think that's the biggest toxic, you know, mm. in, influence in our lives. We think that we're influenced by other influencers. That's why they call themselves influencers. influencers right? But if you're just trying to be focused on what you want to do and share it with the world, well, then stop being influenced because that's mm-hmm. what's going to make you feel like you can't influence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I've never felt imposter syndrome. I'm too busy trying to just be who I am and, and, and just focus on the task at hand. And again, I'm not saying that to be humble. I, I, I really don't like that term. I, I see it thrown around on social media all the time. Um, in terms of getting nervous, I used to get very nervous. I don't anymore. And I think it's because um, I remind myself, and I guess I'm, ex- I'm experienced enough at this point to just say, they want me to, they want me to show up. So there's nothing I can do to prepare more or be a different person or, you know, kind of act a different way. You know, I got your email with the themes that we want to cover today. I didn't read it because I loved your line that you said, we're just going to let the energy guide us. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's, I'd rather say and think everything for the first time with you Mm -hmm. because that's natural and it's authentic and it's who we are. And I think people are so busy trying to be like, I need to be this rather than being themselves. And that is really their biggest weapon. It sounds very cliche, but it's so true. That makes sense because that's how you've gotten to where you've gotten. And that's why you don't see the imposter syndrome is because you live. And it's interesting. The only other person who said this on my show, because I ask a lot of people if they feel it was Dennis. And he said, Prager, he said, I've never felt it. He's like, cause I'm so focused on my mission. Right. And I think if, we can all learn from that because what happens when we feel imposter syndrome and truly there are days I do where I'm like, is it really me that they're showing up till here? Like, it, yes. And you know, what? I really, maybe it was a fluke. Maybe I just had a few <laughs> good episodes and today we're just going to totally crash and I'm going like, to forget how to speak. No, because and, there's no one else who can be you. And that, and I'll, I'll give you another yeah. example of, you know, some, a lot of people, I should say, but this one story stands out in particular. People come to me all the time because they want to grow their presence on social media. And how do you do it? How do you do it? How do you do it? And, you know, I, I find it interesting because this individual has a certain niche and um, he said to me, you know, I, I want to, he he just wants a lot of followers, right? Mm. So he said, but I don't want to do this niche because it's going to kind of limit me in terms of growth. And I and I thought, I said, listen, you you have two options. You can focus on who you are and what your gift is, and you can grow organically, or you can focus on that number and perhaps you'll you'll get the, the followers, but you'll 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 fizzle out because there's so many other people doing that and that's not authentic to who you are. So mm-hmm. for example, when I became a journalist, I could have been a business reporter, I could have been, you know, women business reporters do phenomenally well. I could have mm-hmm. been a tech reporter, I could have been, you know, a domestic reporter. I mean foreign policy lifestyle. Is- Girl with your lifestyle. hair, you could have been a hair reporter. <laughs> lifestyle fashion. Let's go back to fashion. Hollywood. We're right here right. in California. What's interesting right. is that the hardest place to do foreign policy is in California, which is why I was back in the East coast for so long, but you have to be in Washington. You have to be in New York. It's not the easy route. What would have been easy is like, Oh, you have access to Hollywood. You have access to X, Y, and Z, Mm -hmm. but that's not, that's not what I was interested in. And perhaps I would have had more followers. I don't know. I'm just, my point being that, you know, go with what is, what comes easily to you, what you enjoy doing. So it's no longer a chore. You cannot be a slave to your audience. You have Mm -hmm. to bring your audience to you because of who you are. And, you know, I think that people forget that the best way actually is to not even think of an audience because that's the most authentic, you know, form of, of who we are. You know, I love my sister-in-law does not let my nieces on social media and they're already in their teens. And I love that. And if I, you know, I don't know if I'm able to do that. That's my goal. Yeah. If I, if we're able to do that, 
you know, and they, they each have such, you know, one, one of my nieces is a phenomenal basketball player. I mean, she is, she's known in, in their school and, and whatever it is, but she could have so many followers and she's 13, 14 years old. I mean, she could be very popular, you know, with this platform, but you know, it's not about that. It's about really learning from a young age and into adulthood um, that it's not about the audience. It's truly about making ourselves fulfilled. And through that, people want to watch. Look about look at reality TV. People want to watch. People want to see what's going on authentically, not scripted, not about, you know, this fake facade about, you know, who we can be to get followers, but truly, you know, what our essence is. I love that. And I love that it has to speak to you because if it doesn't, then you're just, you are an imposter. That's, that is where the imposter. That's where it comes from. That's right. where it comes so, from. Exactly. Yes. And that's why it's so foreign to you because you had admissions to law schools, right? And they were like, come, we want you. You did the work, girl. You took your LSATs for yeah. and you were still so authentic. You said, I can't be this imposter. And it has carved out a route for you that was so genuine to you because you were so genuine to yourself. And I, I just hope people take away that message there's no imposter when you are authentic. There's just no imposter. It's true. So pick that authenticity. I love that. Tell me what you do to balance and juggle, because sure. I know you kind of referred to being a mom and uh, a wife and that, and I know you are such a dedicated mom and I know you are such a, a dedicated partner in your marriage. So how do you balance and what does it look like really on a kind of day-to-day level to be in the position you're in? Ah, well, it's a little bit of a jungle. I'll tell you, it's not easy. <laughs> the jungle but... of the juggle. Yeah, it's right. the jungle of, exactly. Um, you know, I have I, heard this so many times. If you want something done, give it to a busy person because that's just the mode that we're all in. And I know everyone's busy. Whoever you talk, it's just everyone's so busy. But um, I'll tell you some of the things I, I can survive on very little sleep, which is one of my blessings, right? Put it in the top five things that you're able to do is survive on little sleep, get up early, um, be dedicated. I try to make dinner every single night, um, very often breakfast and lunch because I want my baby to eat healthy. And I want my husband to, he loves, he appreciates home cooked meals. So I, 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 like to do that. Um, I think men who uh, I dated throughout the years are probably shocked to hear this because they think, ah, she was a career woman kind of like wrote me off because of that. But it's so interesting how many of us career women are able to really balance everything because our schedules have to be so structured Mm -hmm. because we have to allot time for different things because sometimes even, you know, cooking dinner or taking my son to the park is my relaxation. It's my pause in my work. Um, And then carve out time for work, of course, you know, work doesn't stop a lot of times it's around the clock, particularly like this past week, we had Iran protests. So it was around the clock just to get, you know, stuff up to the website and and kind of um, talk to my sources that have a, you know, 10 hour plus time difference. Um, So it's just about, you know, no two days are alike, knowing that if you have one tough day, it doesn't mean it's going to be that way for the rest of time. Mm -hmm. Knowing that if you have a couple of hard years, it's not going to be that way for the rest Mm -hmm. of time. I know that my son is young and um, he won't be this young forever. So, Absolutely. you know, um, 
Yeah, I chose to put him only in a in a in a in a shorter day um, toddler program at, at uh, school so that I can spend time with him, so that I can take him to the parks, so that we can do things together. But that means you know less time for me. I also have a fantastic mom that's um, really hands on and, and takes care of my son like her own. Um, so very blessed, and um, yeah, my my husband also very very hands on, very supportive, and um, it's it's important. It's important that we have an ecosystem of yes. supportive people around us that make it all work. You know, I think that it's, um, it, it can be done. It's not easy. And I think that it's, it's the only way, because I think for people like you and I, it's, it's what brings us fulfillment and I'm a better mom because I work and I'm a better, you know, wife because I have fulfillment in other aspects of my life. Absolutely. And I, I try to remember that on the tough days, because there are definitely a lot of tough days. Absolutely. It's all about the stories we tell ourselves, right? And it's another of a segment I'm doing next week, which is all about, right. You can pick your, I can story that you can tell yourself as a narrative as well, I'm giving him a life where he can see this balance and he can see a fulfilled mom. And if that's your narrative, then you will thrive. But if you're using the narrative of I'm so bad, I haven't been there. I'm not able to show up and I'm late, or I have to have someone pick him up or, you know, grandma was with him more today than I, then that's the, the destruction that you're bringing to your home, you know? And so it seems pretty clear you pick your I can stories of how this whole life that you've chosen is, is for ultimately his benefit and and the benefit of all of you guys. I love that. Talk to the woman here. All my ladies, tell us there are many here who haven't figured out what they want to do with their lives. They don't know what they want to be when they grow up. And we feel like we're grown up and we don't know what we're doing. And Raising kids, a lot of us have, you know, we've taken that pause and mm-hmm. biggest blessing of our life to do so. And I know everyone here would agree. How do you talk to women who say, all right, I really want to bring more personal fulfillment in my life. Do you see it only as a professional shift that they need to make? Is it something they can do more as, you know, a hobby or, a, you know, involvement in some cause? How do you guide women in in finding their purpose beyond the home. Yeah, I would say all of the above. I think, you know, you you kind of listed all the different ways in which women can feel fulfilled. There's no one path. I'd say for the most part, the women who approach me looking for some sort of fulfillment outside the home are about late 40s to 50 years old. They have mm-hmm. had their children. Their children are either teenagers or no longer rely on them, you know, mm-hmm. hourly. Um, so I think it's, you know, people are very, you know, laser focused on their children are younger and they're very busy. They're carpooling, they're driving to soccer and basketball and school and this lesson and that lesson and making dinner plans and birthdays on the weekends and all of this. So it's very crowded and it's not something where you notice that you want this other fulfillment. But then when you're, you know, your kids are grown, you come to the realization that I wish I had X, Y, and Z. And I think, you know, the things that you listed are very important. It's to ask yourself, what am I looking for? Am I looking for something that's full time? Am I looking for something that's a couple days a week? Because I still want that time with my girlfriends or with my, you know, parents or my sister, whatever it is. Um, What am I looking for? How much time do I want to commit to this? Do I want to learn something new or do I already have a skill that I want to apply uh, to, to what I'm doing? Do I want to make money? Do I want to volunteer? You know, think about all the things, you know, I have a, a friend who loved yoga and was like, I don't know. And then, you know, kind of, we talked it through and she became certified as a yoga instructor. And wow. now she volunteers because she, she thought she doesn't even want to earn, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not a crazy amount of money, but she goes um, to different uh, nursing homes and such. And, and, 
and volunteers her time teaching yoga um, to to elderly patients. So I I think there's really something for everyone. Maybe to go back to your earlier question, if I did not do what I do, maybe I'd become a life coach because I do love Mm. helping people find there. There's a seat for you right here in my yeah, office. I love you. The you're two doing, of us can go you at know, it. But you're asking all the right questions to lead people to those answers. And I think that that's the most important thing. But if you're doing this on your own, I guess my advice to the ladies would be ask yourself the right questions. Be honest with yourself. That's number one. Be honest with yourself. Um, you know, and I think it's really important not, you know, to, to let go of labels. I know a lot of people used to be doctors or used to be lawyers and not practicing anymore because they left the, 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 the career for family. And now they're not sure if they want to go back to that. That's okay. Because whatever you learned in school will guide you through your life. I mean, school teaches us one thing and that's to think. And to think you have to write that, you know, you have to ask the right questions, not know the right answers because the answers are always changing in life. Mm. And if you ask yourself the right questions, it'll lead you to where you need to be. Do I need to volunteer? Do I need to change? Do I need to learn? Do I need to go back to school? Whatever it may be. But, you know, I I think um, what you're doing is is really changing a lot of lives and asking people the questions that they need to ask themselves. Thank you. I really do hope so. I know we're on our last minute. Tell us about your future, the future of Lisa Daftari and... I know you have the daily emails that go out. I know it's, I saw it said about 250,000 people who are receiving these, the blasts that you put out of the top 10 news stories. And I hope everyone's following that. If not, make sure you go to Lisa's Lisa, let us know first where we can find you. Yeah, all over social media. But if you're looking to sign up for the daily top 10 email, you can go to foreigndesknews.com and you can subscribe on the right. There's a uh, button you can click on and subscribe there. Perfect. And I love that it's really the top, like if there's t- 10 things you need to know of, about what's going on in the world, like Lisa breaks it down. She has the articles, the the pieces that you can't miss. So A, that's first and foremost. I hope you never stop doing that. Thank you. Yeah. Those. It's a great little cheat sheet uh, for people who just want uh, on the go and in two minutes. Like sifted it for us. Yeah. Yep. So tell us what's in the future plans for you. And um, we just, we want to keep an eye and, and follow you on this path. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know how to answer that question, which is interesting, um, because I think I just go with the flow. I think man plans, God laughs is a very, very true thing. And it's been very true in my life. Um, But even when I have planned, I think the things that have been in store for me have been even greater and perhaps on a larger scale, a a bigger responsibility. Um, Mm. But I do hope that I can, you know, grow my brand and stay true to my brand and to continue you know, using my platform for good, whether it's in, you know, correcting the narrative with BDS, anti-Semitism, the Israeli-Palestinian uh, conflict, Iran, and you know, giving a voice to those who don't have one. Um, and uh, just using using what I have to do good things. That's all. That's all I can ask for. But um, yeah, that's like, what we need. That's really, really what we need. And so many here, what can we do? I'm going to stick one more question and then I sure. promise that's it. Sure, sure. What can we all do here? We're not all journalists. We don't all have the microphone and the platform. How are, can we be your troops out there on a daily basis to stop anti-Semitism, to be a voice within our own platforms in our own worlds here? Yeah. Number one with anything that everything that I've said in this hour, I would say it goes back to one thing is to stay informed, to stay aware, to, to have knowledge of things. If it's important to you to fight anti-Semitism or BDS or talk about the Iran revolution, whatever it may be, 
The only way you can do that is to stay informed. Um, if you're not up and up on current events, I truly do think you can sign up for my top 10. And that's an easy, easy way to, to dedicate one or two minutes of, that, of your time in the morning to staying on top of current events, uh, to engage in these conversations. You need to know what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know a lot of these battles are going on on social media. And in order to combat them, in order to set the narrative straight, you have to know what's what's being, you know, uh, what's being portrayed out there what the mainstream media is saying uh, and to really just stay aware in every, in every aspect. I think the the number one thing in life is to always be on top of your game, to stay ahead of things um, and not to be passive, to really be in the, you know, in the driver's seat, so to speak about every single thing. But I think regarding these um, you know, people have become activists all over social media. If you want to join in on that, and even if you don't, I think it's important to know uh, what's going on around us. And it makes a difference. Those comments and responses, do they make a difference in your opinion globally when people are active in that realm? You know, it's a good question. And I'm glad you asked that because a lot of people don't waste their time. I don't, for example, if I see that the Hadids are posting once again about Israel, do I go and comment on their page? No, but what I do is engage in a conversation with a coworker or, mm. you know, I did, I, I saw actually a reporter that I have worked with in the past and he's on air and he has a very large platform. He posted something about the funeral last week for the Al Jazeera mm. reporter. And he just showed the second half of that video. And as we all know, there's much more to the story. Oh. There's a lot of nuance to the story that was not covered. Um, and then I, I messaged him personally. I did not want to embarrass him. I just wanted to send him, you know, yeah. and then sent him the video and told him about both sides in a very non you know, a confrontational way, because mm-hmm. I know that he was doing his best. He was not coming from an anti-Israel perspective. Right. I think that's why it's important to be, you know, each one of us, if you can change one person's mind, that's huge. Because that person may go on and have the ability to change other people's minds. We are outnumbered. We are truly outnumbered. I'll just say this one last thing. The Hadid family collectively have 52 million followers. I mean, what's that? Like four times the size of the entire world Jewish population. That's assuming that all Jews are pro-Israel and pro-Judaism and they're not. Um, Yeah. Lean into the, the partners that we have in the, in the Christian community, in the Catholic community, um, in the African-American community. We have tremendous partners. But this goes, uh, you know, this is about every topic. You know, find the people that you align with, whether it's emotionally or physically, if you go to the gym. That's what life, life is about, finding your allies and the people who support you, the people who understand you. And that's really, a, I think, a, another way to, to really enhance your life, your, your progression in, in life and moving forward. I love that. And knowledge is power. And you give us the knowledge. You guys tap into her daily emails. They're, they're magnificent in giving the information we all need and the, the fuel we need. Lisa, I can't thank you enough. Thank I you. pray God gives you the courage every single day to continue and that dedication and that mission all the stronger every single day because your voice, your your strength is something we we just we just need and, and thrives all of us and pushes us all forward. So, God bless you. Thank you for your time. Yeah. I adore you, Thank and you. I can't wait to to see you again. Thank you. Congratulations on the podcast and uh, to bigger and better always. Always. Thank you. Shabbat shalom. Thank you so much. Yeah. Love you. I love you. Bye. Bye. My key takeaways from my talk with Lisa is one, allow yourself the rip and repair of life to build your emotional muscles to handle anything. Anything is possible with an authentic connection with our why and the hard work behind it. 
Everyone has a talent. If you can't find yours, it's probably because you're taking it for granted. We don't have any excuse not to be courageous because of the sacrifices the generation before us went through to be in this free country. What if we looked at life not with the lens of how will I have the strength to do this, but how could I live with myself if I didn't? Lisa shares how knowledge is power. There is nothing more powerful we can do to fight the good fight without being informed. Where can you find more on Lisa? Sign up for her daily top 10 email via her website, www.foreigndesknews.com and find her on social media at Lisa Duff Diary. Looking for more? Find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Rona Lalazari. 